Hey there, quick question before we jump into this episode. Do you wish you could easily build your own website, but you get overwhelmed by it all? If that sounds like you, then allow me to introduce Savvy DIY Site. Half course, half gorgeous website templates designed by yours truly to help you DIY your first WordPress site, redesign your existing one, or migrate from another platform to WordPress, even if you're not very techie or you have no idea where to start. Forget spending hours figuring out the basics or feeling stuck with a website that doesn't really represent you. With Savvy DIY Site, you'll build your website with my step-by-step guidance, easy-to-follow video tutorials, and pro-designed templates that make building your site a breeze. Plus, you can customize everything to fit your unique style and brand so your website looks just like you want. Whether you're launching your first site or updating an old one, Savvy DIY Site gives you the tools and confidence to do it yourself and do it well. Join now and start creating a website you're proud to share. Visit SavvyDIYSite.com to learn more and get started building your website today. Hey y'all, on today's episode, I am thrilled to introduce you to Kate Doster, who is an email marketing expert and just an all-around powerhouse. She is joining me to talk about the ins and outs of email marketing, specifically when it comes to what we can write in our emails. Kate is the host of the Do the Brave Thing podcast and creator of the Love Your List 2.0 email marketing course. That course is actually where I was initially introduced to her, and I'm so excited to have her on the show today. You are going to love this episode. We're diving into topics like deciding what to email about, getting past the initial writer's block when you're looking at that blank screen writing in a way that builds a real connection with your audience, and of course, how to convert our subscribers into buyers. So let's get started. Hey, TPT sellers, ready to see growth in your business? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Savvy Teacher Seller. I'm Kristen Doyle, and I'm here to give you no-fluff tools and strategies that will really make an impact on your sales. Let's get started, y'all. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) So why don't you just tell us a little bit more about you and kind of where you got started and what you are doing in your business right now? Sure. I would love to. So hey, everybody. I am Kate Doster of katedoster.com. And it is my soul and soul's mission to put money in the hands of good people so they can do good with it and eradicate this idea that nice people have to finish last in business. So I focus a lot on email marketing and copywriting because when you're able to write words that move people into action, that's one of the most powerful skills that you can have, especially in the online space. Even if you're like, oh, but like, Kate, what about short-term video? Well, when you learn how to write an engaging sentence, you're actually going to learn how to make more engaging videos. Like it all just sort of stems on each other. So I tried to take the two things that people like hate the most, which is selling and writing and combine them. And that is what I help people with. Now realize teachers might actually love writing, but usually my audience like still has a secret vendetta against our 10th grade English teachers. She said, not speaking from experience. (laughs) (laughs) Some of us, I think, do enjoy writing, but not writing when it's 
for business things like the sales copy and the emails and all of those things because that just doesn't come natural. A lot of us are what I've always called accidental entrepreneurs. We started kind of a hobby shop on TPT and then realized, oh crap, I own a business. (laughs) What do I have to do now? And we're trying to learn those business skills. So definitely something that does not come natural for most of us, myself included, although I've learned a lot over the years. And also one thing I really love about you, one one thing that really resonated with me is how you teach the sales copy without feeling salesy and sleazy and bro marketing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to say the way that, that we do things, um, you'll hear us probably use the term listy. Christine's a listy. So that's what we call the students of love your list. And I find the reason why our methods work so well is because we're just treating people like people. Like you can be very aggressive and broy when you are marketing to other marketers, but like real life people do not like this very much. So when you just learn how to talk to people like people and be like, and oh yeah, there's this. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So let's dive into some questions. I pulled kind of from what my teacher seller friends have been telling me that they struggle with the most. So first things first, what are we supposed to talk to people about? What tips do you have? I know a lot of us open up our email provider, our convert kit or whoever, and we have no clue what to write, but we know we need to write an email this week. So what tips do you have kind of for where to get started? Sure. So first of all, what's really great about teachers paying teachers is that you are a teacher, so you get it. So even if in every single email you want to have like, say, a resource of the week that you link to in the bottom or that you have like a featured section. And again, because you are a teacher, you know seasonally like what's going on. When do people usually sort of tackle this lesson? What are they going to have like either this week or like next month coming up? So you get to plan ahead. But being a teacher, you actually get to relate to them as a person. So it just doesn't always have to be like, oh, are you teaching quadratic formula this week? Like, here's this thing, right? You can talk about an experience that you had with a student that just doesn't was not getting it or how the method that they talk about in textbooks does not relate to students who are so busy on their you know, iPads and on their cell phones. Again, you can talk about those real world experiences. You can talk even about in a different email as well, even a little bit about teacher burnout, right? Or about how, you know, we always are reprimanding our students for taking shortcuts and for cheating. And it can feel like it's cheating when you're buying these things from teacher paying teacher. But really, all you're doing is opening up the headspace to be more creative, to be more present, to not be so stressed out, right? So now you're talking to them like a human. Again, it's thinking, what would make them not want to have your help? right? That's really what we're getting at. And so what I like to tell my students, because again, when you can talk about anything, nothing comes to your mind. So I really do stress for people to just sort of sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to email once a week. We'll just say that it's Wednesday. I'm looking at a calendar right now. There's four Wednesdays this month. I only need four things to talk about. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's so easy. So whether or not you decide to sit down and write all four emails, or if you're like us, we're like sometimes the content that we create live maybe isn't necessarily done yet, or we don't know it. Still, you when you have those topics, you can always sort of weave them in there. So it's like, all right, we're looking at this, you know, maybe it's March. Okay, what are some things we typically talk about in spring? What are students dealing with in spring? What are teachers typically dealing with in spring? Do we have like spring fever? Are there more absences? Are people getting distracted by going outside? You know, it's state testing. 
something that's usually coming around. So now it's like you got to cater towards those things. And oh, look, now we've got worksheets, this, that actually are better than the ones that help cater towards this. So you just have to start thinking of your person as a person. What? (laughs) And all of a sudden, especially if you're like, but Kate, like, you know, I've been emailing them tips or I've been emailing them discounts or in flash sales. Like nobody's ever responding to me. I'm getting low through click through rates. The second you start talking to them, like an actual teacher that you would talk to in the teacher's lounge, they're going to be like, oh my goodness, she gets it. And even if they are subscribed or follow other people on teachers paying teachers or other teacher educator businesses, they're going to like you the best because you're the one that's talking to them like a fellow teacher like a friend. And you don't have to say things like spam or face like I do. My branding is very like corny and approachable because that's me. If you are, you know, are like, I don't know if teachers are going to really vibe with saying that sort of a thing, then just make sure you're speaking in your authentic voice. Make sure that if you want to have that level of professionalism, 100%, you can have that level of professionalism. But still, talk to them like you would any of your coworkers and they will feel it and they'll be like, yay. So that's very long-winded <laughs> thing. But it's again, What's going on seasonally? What are some products that you know are going to be helping? What is just like some of those like deeper things that they wouldn't think about? Like, you know, again, the struggling, the state testing, the the kids just not getting it. And honestly, sometimes if you're still actually teaching, you can, maybe you had an incident in your classroom last week or the week before, or even like two days ago. (laughs) And you can sort of base your story for that. It's like, I was dealing with this kid. We'll call him Bob. And then maybe they'll giggle, right? Because you got to have the sense of disclosure. And like, this is what was happening. And here's how I actually helped them. What have you done with a student in this situation? And then PS, if you've got a student that's actually struggling with X, we've got this in the shop that's going to help you. And it's like, oh my goodness. Like, so it's very easy to like casually sell into your emails or not sell. Maybe your call to action is literally just asking people for their advice. Yeah. In some of my own emails, sometimes I feel like the call to action has to serve my business in some sort of way. But I get a lot of replies when the email really isn't about anything business related. I just sent one early this year about how I wanted to start reading more. And I just asked, like, do you read? What have you been reading lately? And I got so many replies back with people's favorite books. It has nothing to do with business at all. But it builds that connection with people and it gets them to engage with my emails as opposed to just deleting them. I know. I absolutely love that. And I think that it was a very interesting choice of words where that has nothing to do with business, but what it does have to do with is brand. So brand is what people think about you when you are not around. So now all of a sudden, if they're like, oh man, like I'm a teacher and I know I should read more, but I haven't, or if they're a teacher and that's all that they do. Now they're going to be like, oh man, Christy, like they did this. Or like, you might be surprised in a couple of weeks, people will be like, oh, did you actually read this book? <laughs> Or even you can mention, like, say for like, "Mm, I've gotten too many replies lately. You could even mention, you know, last month I was talking about how I wanted to read more. And here are some of the great suggestions that you guys had. I've actually read this one and this one. You know what I mean? So like you can keep that conversation going. And again, what was really nice about that reply that you got, again, now you've got that personal connection. Now you've got that brand. And again, all things being the same, people are going to buy from their friends and they're going to think of you as a pseudo friend, right? But It's telling their inbox, hey, I like Christine. So they are more likely to put you in the primary folder. Now, there's nothing wrong with being in the promotions tab. I think a lot of people hate that. But again, people go to the promotions tab when they're looking for that dopamine hit, when they're looking to procrastinate. So when you've got enjoyable emails, they're going to start looking for your name and they're just going to read your stuff regardless of your subject lines, which is really fun. Yeah. 
And then your stuff gets moved over into that primary tab. Hopefully. Exactly. Because like, oh, she's friends with her. So even if there is, you know, salesy type language, again, like, you know, discount code and all that, you're still more likely to show up there. So speaking of building those connections, I know it's so important for us to build that no like, and trust factor with our audience. What suggestions do you have for building some real connections with our email subscribers? So I think you actually role modeled this perfectly. And hint, you guys are listening to the right podcast, right? It's asking those questions. I learned it from you. (laughs) (laughs) Who's who's to say, right? Which is, again, we love each other here. I'm the best students in the world, best students in the world. And so again, when you're talking about what's going on in your life, when you're asking them for advice, when you are, again, bringing up stuff, right? People, you know, I said they buy from friends, they buy from people that they feel like they can share a bond with, right? So it could be even something like, I don't want to say silly, but it could even be something like when you're building that no like and trust factor, obviously like the trust will come from, you know, proving that you get results, mm-hmm. having actually high quality products, especially this is for people afterwards. You know, you can use stuff like reviews or you can share a story. Like if somebody like sent you like a reply back saying this really had helped when somebody was struggling with something. Definitely you can send those. But even again, just like proving to them that you're their type of person. Again, you're a book reader. So it's like, oh, okay. Like I I really enjoy this. Like, let's go ahead and do it. Again, showing, especially because you are dealing with other teachers. And if you feel like depending on what grade level and depending what subject, if you feel like, you know, certifications or certain knowledge is really going to be like, oh, it's like, I'm not just some schmo off the street. Like not only do I have this and I've been teaching for, you know, 10 years, 12 years, whatever it is. So you can, again, make sure that you're just sort of like casually weaving it in there. So it's like over and it's not even like, hey, everybody, I've been teaching for 15 years. Like granted, you can have that in your bio, but it's like, you know what? And I just say y'all, but you don't have to in your emails, obviously. That doesn't fit. It's like, you know what, y'all? Over the last 15 years of teaching kids how to do this. And then it's like, oh, like she's been teaching this for two years. Like, and even sometimes when, and this really goes into that know and trust, because not everyone's going to believe that like it's sunshine and rainbows. So you can even go with that sentence. Like even somebody that has been teaching this for 15 years and I have a, and then again, whatever certifications that you had, other teachers would know like, I still misspeak about this or like we still have students struggling and it's like, oh my God, like me too. So you wouldn't think that showing your faults is a good thing. You would think that it would erode trust and a credibility. But honestly, when you can admit like I've had these mistakes too, or I've made this misstep, here's what I'm doing to correct it. Or what advice do you guys have? People will believe it more. Yeah. I mean, I think so it's like, oh, okay. At this point, buyers are probably pretty savvy about the fact that none of yeah. us are perfect. So if all you ever Mm-mm. put out there is perfection, they're probably wondering how much of this is real. And people like for you to be real with them. They really, really do. And even if, you know, sometimes even when you talk about your products, not that you want to badmouth your products, but like, I'll like be the first one to admit, and I know all the teachers like, ah, I hate it. I don't know. I don't think it annoyed you too much. But like, I'm the first one to admit, like, there's typos, right? Like, there's typos. Why? Why does Kate leave in these typos? Does this make her seem unprofessional? And again, maybe if you're a demographic with other teachers, you shouldn't. But for me, because my target audience is people that do not consider themselves writers, I want to prove to them. It's like, I built a million dollar business with typos. Like, it's not going to matter. <laughs> and so it really sort of like subconsciously like gets them taking action. Again, it's like you don't want to be so far off and it's not all the time, but it's like a slip up here and there. Your true people are not going to be like, oh my goodness, and then like hate you forever. So for me, that's just sort of role modeling what we're talking about. 
So it's like, again, you might like have these sheets and be like, look, like if you're teaching it this way, or you know that your students are more of this, then you know, this probably isn't for you. However, if, and then this, this, and this, again, we're going to end with a positive note on there. It's going to work. It's rather than just like, you need these worksheets. And if you don't, you're a giant (laughs) tummy face and your students are going to fail and you're going to be up till 80 million hours of the night. And how dare you? And like, no, no, no. Yeah. I was, it actually sparked a teacher example. I was just thinking about how so many of us are working on master's programs or doctorate programs or national board certification. Like those things are hard work. And so sharing some of the frustrations and the struggles you're having in some emails would do, I would think, two things. It shows you, first of all, you're continuing your education. So that builds some trust factor. But then it makes you so relatable because probably plenty of your audience is struggling with or has in the past the same kind of stuff working on their own continuing education. Right. And again, sometimes, and again, I realize that other email marketers or marketers might not tell you this. Sometimes like the body of your email doesn't even necessarily have to do like a call to action. Like you can really talk about like how you're struggling this and you can like ask people for tips. And that can be technically the the action you want them to take. It's like, how did you guys survive the boards? Right? Like, like what, how are you guys not in Starbucks? Like just mainlining lattes. Like I'm so tired all of the time. Okay. And then you're going to have like your sign up. Right. And then your PS is just like, thanks for letting me vent. If you don't need to vent, like feel free and reply back. Right. But then underneath that, you can always have a, if you are struggling with this, or if you're going to be teaching that, or do you have this, you can even just highlight like three resources that you have or a little section, just like latest addition to the shops. And you'd be surprised how many people would click over there and buy it. They'd be like, oh, I didn't know. Because we love to think that like everyone knows everything that we have. (laughs) (laughs) But like they don't. Or maybe like, again, they didn't think they need it in the moment, but maybe like, oh, yeah. And again, because you're in the industry, you know, like those like certain times of the year that just in general, you're going to see an uptick in sales of your stuff. Right. But again, even for those low seasons, like, oh, we got this and this and this and this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Love that. Love that idea. So another thing that we really struggle with, and I know this is a big one for me, even if I have kind of made out a little plan for the month of what I'm going to talk about, when you get started and you open up your convert kit, there's this text box and this blinking cursor. And so many times I, and I know a lot of other people just get stuck with where to start the actual email that we are writing. Any tricks for moving past that writer's block? Well, the first thing, like we had already talked about a little bit when I went on a complete rampage about what to send your list earlier. Again, having those sort of like, okay, I only need four things for the month. So it's four things I'm going to talk about. So you have that. Another thing that you can always ask yourself when you're staring at that screen is like, again, what did I do this week? Like you had that perfect example, right? Like the boards, we could do that. This is going to sound like an odd sentence. And I know that human brains hate starting things at the end because they love order, but you could technically start with like your sign off, right? Like your signature and like a PS message, right? So like, you know, in your head, you want to get them to your shop. So it's like, PS, don't forget, we've got 25% off going at the shop, right? And then it's just getting something. I think the other thing to remember, and you always get this because you're teachers, whether you're English or not, but like you go through first and second drafts of things. I think that people think, and then the reason why they get stuck on that first couple of sentences is they feel like they're going to have to be great. Um, that's just warm up. Honestly, most of the time when you go back in and, and edit, because that's truly where the magic happens. Like this is the difference between 
great writers and like brilliant people <laughs> is that they let themselves have that crappy first draft. And I know they're like, but Kate, like I have no time, but here's the thing, right? If you keep on rewriting that same first two sentences, so that way it sounds brilliant, it's going to take you like five or six times long because you're not going to have the rest of it. But if you're just like, if you just give yourself permission to be like, you know what? I'm just talking to other teachers like I would in the teacher's lounge. It's pretty cool. Like, let's just go for it. I can chop off this top paragraph if I need to. Then you're just going to, you're just going to go with it. So it's kind of like, what do I have this week? Where do I want people? We always ask inside of Love Your List is like, how do you want them to feel? That could be a big question sometimes for people. How do you want them to feel? What's your goal? And what action do you want them to take? So again, what do you want people to follow you on Instagram? Do you want people to your shop? Do you want a certain thing? Do you just want people to reply? And sometimes, honestly, when you're just like, I can't even, you can literally just be like, how's everything going with your class this week? And then your name. <laughs> and then you're done. Yeah. And then are you going to have a lot of replies to deal with? Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> but those replies are now going to give you all of these ideas for what you can write about later. Yeah. And again, you can always keep a little idea bank, regardless of, I know we're Apple people, so you can keep like a note on your phone because then it like goes to your computer too, whether you use something like uh, Airtable or Trello or whatever like project management tool that you're using, you can always just keep running list of ideas in there. Unless you're emailing people and being like, you guys are stupid idiot faces and you're saying like the meanest things ever, I don't think that one email could ruin any business, Right. So you don't need to put that much pressure. But the reason why you have pressure, like you all aren't crazy pants. The reason why you have this pressure is that every other person on earth is like, you need an email list. You need an email list. Like you need to grow that email list, right? So it's so precious to you and you don't want to screw it up. And you're like, well, if I send an email and it's bad, or even if I just send one, I go from 100 people to 95 and now I'm failing. No, because the people that stuck around actually want to hear from you. Because those 100 people, if they never hear from you, it does nothing. It does nothing. So- Give yourself a little bit of a break. <laughs> See what's going on. What do you have on your blog? Do you have any ideas? If you're doing a different form of content, could you're following Christine, you're using her methods. What'd you talk about there recently? If you're active on social media at all, which you may or may not be, did anything in the last couple of weeks or really resonate with people? And you might think like, but Kate, if they're following me on Instagram, they might be on my newsletter list. Yes, they could be. The algorithm likes to not show people stuff. So there's that. And treat people like people just because they read it on Instagram and maybe even replied to it does not mean they implemented or did it. So you'll actually get people that are reply back and be like, you know what? I'm pretty sure you talked about it on Instagram the other day. And I was thinking that same exact thing and I didn't do it yet. Right. It'll happen. Oh, I know I've done that. <laughs> 100%. Again, treat people like people. We're not calling them out and saying they're dumb, right? Or even like bring up a point like you might have heard on Instagram. Like, I'm not going to bring that up. <laughs> but we have a, a concept. This is repurposing as the best. And I don't do this that often. But like, when you get a boatload of replies on anything, that's something that you need to repurpose. So like, say again, in multiple places, I have this New Year's tradition that is digital bankruptcy. So I talked about that in an email. We got so many replies. I made it an Instagram. So many replies to that Instagram reel. We made it into a podcast. So many DMs of <laughs> that podcast. People probably heard it like three times. I know there are some people that did, but there's a lot of other people that was the first time they were hearing it. So you don't have to worry. It doesn't have to be something new or groundbreaking. I think that's the other thing that's like the writer's block. Oh, it has to be new or groundbreaking. Right. No. Yeah. Just, just needs to be relatable. Sorry, teachers. 
little paragraphs because nobody wants to have yeah. to read giant paragraphs. I'm sure we've gone a tangent about that. Like if it is longer than two sentences, they need to be their own paragraph. Because again, people are skimming. All the rules go out the window about these like three to five sentence minimum paragraphs with an introduction and a conclusion. <laughs> All of that stuff. Because again, you're just, you're essentially writing an email to your friend. Now you very well, especially for all my lovely English teachers who are teaching high school, middle school, you might, when you write emails to your friends and family, you might write an actual paragraph. <laughs> but remember, people are going to their inboxes to relax, to let their brain kind of cool off a little bit. And so when you have things that are nice and skimmable that are only a couple of sentences here and there, you're using bolds, those things are going to work. It's going to draw the eye to it. Love that. And I really love the permission to just relax and not treat it so seriously all the time. And to maybe every now and then send the one sentence email that just says, hey, how you doing? What can I help you with? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Literally. How's everything going? Or again, if you want to add a little bit more to it, again, depending on what grade level you're at, and if this is true, because I don't, I don't teach. Okay. Like, are y'all doing state testing too? Like, tell me how you're surviving. And then just <laughs> like, like you're at home and like, just, that's it. Yeah. Love that. So let's talk about selling. That's the one thing we kind of haven't talked about yet. I know a lot of teacher sellers say that they have a pretty decent size list, but no one's buying from them and they don't know what they're doing wrong. So when it comes to getting those subscribers to convert over into buying our resources, is there a trick they're missing? What can they do? Okay. So the first thing that I would say is how often are you mentioning stuff? Now, you might only send an email anytime you have a new resource. If that is the case, then I think you need to start emailing even when you do not have a new resource. So that way, again, when people see your name or an interesting subject line, they're going to click over and they're going to look at it. If they know that it's just, oh, she's just going to say a resource, they're not going to they're not gonna click over unless maybe they know they need something, right? So We want to make sure we're doing that. We also want to make sure that, again, we're relating the product back to how is it, and I know it's going to sound like a big thing, but it's like, how is it going to make their life easier or better? Another reason again, why do people buy? Easier, better, technically status, right? So you can play to that lever if you wanted to, like, oh, like students implemented this and this is the results that we got from our classroom, right? And again, you would admit to like, we implemented this in our classroom, We normally get like a 65 on this, but we actually ended up with an average of 75. Can I guarantee that for all of your students? No, but like with lift like that, like, come on, it's still pretty good. Any advantage that we can give to our students, we're going to give them, right? Well, and even those non-tangibles, like you're going to be the fun teacher now. They're going to love your class. (laughs) Exactly, right? And so it's talking about like, you could literally have an email about how to make something more engaging, right? What to do if you're a boring teacher or if you're not creative? And then it's like, again, it's a PS because now we're, you know, we're giving them like some actual tips if you want to, not too many, like one to three max. Cause again, it's a dopamine hit that they're looking for. They're not looking for a whole blog article. That's a different frame of brain that they're going into. And that's like, and we have this going on, right? Or like we had talked about showing the actual credibility. Another thing that's going to get, more people clicking over is something as simple as including a mock-up or a screenshot or an image of your resource because people will click on it. So make sure that when you include that image, that it actually links out to where you want it to go. Because I know like a lot of people will just leave the image as is, but you're going to notice if you're going in and looking at your analytics, images will get things that are clicking. Like we're just trained to click on the image. 
for everything everywhere, right? We 100%. And again, I know that people like to kind of rag on big retailers, but like there's a reason why like your targets and I know Dunkin' Donuts is really big where I'm at in New England. There's a reason why all those emails are very graphic based because they know mm-hmm. those things work. Now we're not going to necessarily make ours graphic based, but we are going to include things because again, people might be wondering like, does this actually like look good? Especially because like, you know, you're handing it to students and like, let's be real, regardless of what age they are, they're going to critique stuff. And be like this looks too babyish or this looks ugly or that looks too, right? Like, we, we all know that they like to secretly judge. Our, right? <laughs> so by actually having those visuals, that can really help. We talk a lot about in the bigger course, we talk about like casual selling, right? So it's like, you know, the other day when we were chatting about and then whatever the topic is, just like you would in a blog post link to say a different article when you hit like a keyword that makes sense, you can link to products that it would just make sense for that keyword. So technically you could not even mention that product, right? It's just like a nice sort of casual link out. It's like what we talked about. It's having those like resources at the bottom, just like three, not like the whole shop because that can be overwhelming. Technically it can be the same three. And that's another thing to look at too. We did talk about seasonal selling, but like there might be something that you know just sells at gangbusters. So you got to go look at your numbers. That can be one of those resources that you always sort of keep at the bottom. Or you know that if somebody buys this thing, they just end up buying like everything. <laughs> and you'll find that the more that you're in business, the more you're looking at like, I don't know why, but like people love this. And then they go and buy that and they buy that and they buy that. That's because you're really good at what you make, right? So have that in there. Every once in a while, if you feel like running a sale, by all means, you can. Again, I don't exactly know how the platform works, but I'm pretty sure that you can control your pricing and when you do it. There's four big sales a year. So those we're doing some promo emails for, of course, but the rest of the year, I think it's more, yeah, a little smaller sales and we can throw sales in our own store. Yeah. So like you can do those on occasion, but you don't always have to, again, I'm talking about levers because it's true. You don't always have to rely on that lever much as you're thinking like, oh, like you should know. No, you can just just be in there. And again, the more that you kind of give yourself permission to to be a little creative, which I know at the end of the long, hard day, you're like, oh God, I don't want more creativity. My brain <laughs> hurts from working. You can turn that my brain hurts from working, lack of creativity into an email. And then bingo, bingo, what's the solvo for lack of creativity? I already did this for you. And then it's like, oh, that's pretty exciting stuff. <laughs> so again, it's like one of my favorite sentences to turn anything, especially if you're like, Kate, like I'm really good at sending content and like helpful stuff and like all the value, value, value. But like when it comes to selling, I just clam up. Here's your miracle sentence, everyone. I don't want to say like, no, you don't need to buy a love your list. Like you can buy a love your list if Kristen has a link for it. But like, which got me thinking about, or which is why literally. So you're giving them all of the tips that like you were going to the one or the two, or you're talking about the situation that you have on hand. And then this is the turn of phrase that you're going to use, which is why in the blank, blank product, we have blank, 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 and blank. So that way, and then again, we're hearkening back to what we talked about before. So you don't have to worry about this. So that way your students are engaged and it's fine. And then again, if it happens to be on sale, commission, and you're actually going to get it for like $5 off, which is pretty cool. Or, and it's only seven bucks. And I don't know about you, but uh, for me, it was worth it, right? So, or which got me thinking about, and all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, well, like, that's a lot easier. Because we already sort of solved their problem, and now we're just sort of solving it more. I, oh, this phrase is really broy, but it's the truth. Like, when people pay, like, they pay attention, right? And again, when you get people results from your free stuff, eventually, they're going to think, oh, my goodness, but what is their paid stuff? 
Now, are you going to have people on your list that forever and ever are never going to buy from you? Yes, you were. But you never know. They could be telling other people about your stuff. So it could be like that second level fandom, if you will. Or maybe they're not just big spenders, but like they enjoy you. And then one of their friends is talking about something. They're going to be like, oh my God, like you need to get Kirsten's stuff. Like it's so helpful, even if they've never bought before. So it's like, okay. Or like, I'm not going to, I always like to think of the little people, if that makes sense. Like I'm not going to not tell my list about this product that I know is going to save them some time and some energy and get student results because like maybe one person is going to be like, oh, how dare she sell? But like, if that can make like five other teachers' lives easier, like I'm not going to be a jerk and not tell them about it. Like they need to know. <laughs> so, and when you start thinking of it, like, all right, I'll like the negative people, the people that aren't going to buy the free seekers, like that's fine. But like the people that I'm going to help, I'm not going to deprive them that help because I'm scared of what all those other people are going to think. Like, well, I think that really comes down to buying into what we sell and how it helps people. Not just that I'm creating these products so I can sell some stuff and make some money to support my family, but the result that we're getting for those teachers who are buying things from us, really digging into some of that and embracing that, yeah, I'm here helping people and they need this thing that I'm offering. Yeah. Right. And it's like, and you can even mention this again, we had talked about like talking about downfalls. Like, look, I know you can do it yourself. We both know you're smart and capable. You can literally use that sentence. Like, I just want to make your life a little bit easier. You're allowed to have a head start. There's nothing wrong with that. You're allowed to have your Saturday and Sunday afternoons free from coming up with worksheets. <laughs> right? We're, we're literally physically stunned. <laughs> love it. Love it. Can we do a couple of kind of rapid fire, just quick answer questions? I will try, but y'all can tell I'm very wordy, but I will try. We'll try. Okay. First, how often do you think we should be emailing our list in an ideal world? Once a week. If not every other week, so at least twice a month. See, that was so fast. You did great. (laughs) Second, what about cold subscribers? How often should we clean those out? I'd say once to twice a year. It was a little bit harder for email service providers to be able to track that with all the great like privacy stuff, which is nice. So I wouldn't just delete people. I would make sure if they're cold, we're sending a couple of emails directly towards them and kind of like letting them know what's going to happen. So that way they can like, choose. I always like to blame technology. But again, I always like to talk to people like people, you know, I'd explain to them like, it's like, I don't want to waste your time if you don't need this. Like the last thing you need is to have like me jamming up your inbox with stuff. So like, if you're cool, you want to stick around, like click here. If not, don't worry. We can meet again some other time. And I've heard a couple of people talk about using people who never click as a cold subscriber instead of just people who don't open because of all the privacy things. But I don't know. What are your thoughts around that? My thoughts, I know this is going to sound like, oh, just rely on technology. <laughs> if ConvertKit tells me they're cold, that's fine. This is where it comes from. Email service providers do have a very hard time registering when something is open because things like Samsung's always did this, but iPhone started doing it and Gmail, like, you know how you have to like hit to load images The way that all email service providers can tell if somebody opened it is if somebody allows images because there's an invisible image that goes back and it pings your email service provider. And this is every email service provider, not just a ConvertKit or a MailChimp, but you're not going to escape this at all. So what might end up happening is people could very well be opening your emails and you'll get replies back to this. People very well could be opening your emails, but because of privacy settings, it's not registering. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, again, before you just mass delete everybody, Give them an opportunity to be like, look, it's like, I love technology as much as the next person. So if you're actually reading and enjoying these, 
I need you to just reply back with a like the letter K so that way we know it's okay, right? Or like hit yeah. this link because reply backs, your email service provider can always track. Link clicks, they can always track, but it's the opens that they have a hard time with. Yeah. So maybe a good strategy is to really focus on throughout the year asking for replies and trying to get more link clicks mm-hmm. so that people are not registering as cold when they really are opening our emails. But you'll still get people replying, hey, I'm reading your emails. <laughs> yeah. Okay, last one. And this is definitely a teacher-seller specific one. Generally, the advice about email list building is to create one main opt-in and it's magical and amazing, but we tend to have a lot. So how many opt-ins is too many opt-ins? Enough that you can't manage, if that makes sense. So I would make sure that the free gifts that you're giving away, freebies, lead magnets, that there is at least a solid welcome series behind it. And now technically all of your freebies could put everybody in the same welcome series. So like with ConvertKit, they have the incentive email, which will deliver your freebie automatically. So like everyone could get like that incentive email. And then it's like, all right, general welcome series. And what's great about ConvertKit and other email service providers, they should be smart enough to do this, is like if Sally decided to go ham on your store and like get all of your freebies, right? She's just like so excited. It's only going to send her that welcome series once. Even if she decided one day to get 10 of your freebies, she's going to get those 10 incentive emails, but she's not going to get 10 copies of email number two. So again, as long as you've got a plan behind it, I think that it is quite all right. <laughs> no one's no one's going to be mad. Just make sure that they go somewhere, even if they all go to the same spot. That's a really good advice. I know I have a lot of email opt-ins, a lot of freebies out there floating around from before that don't really go anywhere after the incentive email other than they get dumped onto my main list. So definitely something that I need to go back and check up on a little bit. So Right. It's just a general one. And it doesn't have to be a, especially if you're emailing on the regular, like it doesn't have to be this big, long, drawn out welcome series. It could literally just be like two emails, right? With like, you know, your best tips for it. Like, so say you're dealing with like, you know, printables or just, you know, dealing with a teacher or if you're dealing with like a certain grade level, you know, like the general things that are just like fan favorites, right? Talk about that one, right? And then maybe in the third one, you're going to talk about like other things in the store or maybe you're going to depending on how it worked, maybe you're going to give them like a discount code or something. You don't have to. If that technology is just like, ah, because then they could use it all the time. Like just like a nice casual, like three, again, because we want to have that no like and trust. So in like that second email, it's like, how can we make their lives even easier? Right? Again, just general teacher. And that third one, again, that more relationship building. And then it's like, and uh, every week we're going to get stuff that is top of mind for teachers right now. It's like, woo. Yeah. Love it. I definitely have some things to take back and work on with my own emails. I'm sure everybody else does too. Thank you so much for doing this. Can you share before we hop off here where everyone can find you? Sure. So you can head on over to katedoster.com forward slash the number two and then years. And that will give you two years worth of email ideas. So what it does is it's simply like sentence starters. Some of them are based on like random holidays, which I know regardless of what grade you're teaching, it's kind of fun to always deal with. Again, some of those like relationship starters, we have what we call like money starters in there. So I literally plan out like second week of January, send this. And some people religiously follow it. Other people are like, "Mm, I'm going to go see what's in May when it's, you know, (laughs) June, which is fine. Like, I just want to give you that, like, again, when you can talk about anything, then you draw this blank. So you guys can hang out there. I'm really enjoying Instagram lately. I don't have a huge following, but I'm there over a lot because I'm just having fun there. 
And that is Kate underscore Doster, D-O-S-T-E-R. Yeah. And we'll put clickable links in the show notes too for everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, and my podcast. I forgot to say my podcast. We have the Do the Brave Thing podcast, where again, we focus on actual tangible things, but we also focus a lot on mindset as well. I do not think that you can have one without the other. And I think that's where there's a big disconnect. There's the people that are like, oh, dream it. Like you can manifest it. It's like, yes, because you need to believe that it can happen, but you actually need to do the stuff to make it happen. Because like, I can tell you till you're blue in the face, like use contractions. You'll sound like a person. But if I can't get you to hit send because you're so afraid of people replying back and being butt faces, it's not going to work. <laughs> so we talk a lot about both of those things. And again, especially for those accidental entrepreneurs, right? Like we're talking more about like taking that leadership role, about seeing yourself, especially like I never considered myself a salesman. I was not the kid that was selling candy out of my backpack and like was winning all the cool prizes at fundraisers. Like when that fundraiser thing came out, I threw that thing right in the trash. I do not want to go ask people to buy any candy bars for me. Or magazine. No, like that was not who I was at all. I had a very averse reaction to all of that sort of stuff. I'm still that person as a parent. They send the things home and I'm like, can I just write a check? That's exactly what I did like two days ago. Do I have to sell things to people? I get my kids like, oh, well, like they said like we could go around to like businesses and stuff. I'm like, my business will just do it. It's fine. Here's what you <laughs> Right? <laughs> so again, I don't want to say like writing never came natural to me. Like I have dyslexia, right? And like selling was never come naturally, but it's like, if I can take these skills and really just turning it into, all I am doing is just talking to people. Y'all can't tell like I'm a talker. So I'm like, I can talk to people that I got down. So that's really all it is. Just talking to people and being like, oh yeah, that's going to help you too. Oh, sweet. And then we're going over there. Thank you again so much for being here. This has been super fun and I am definitely looking forward to putting some of your tips into practice. Yay. Thank you so much. Today's action step is for those of you who might have a list, but you haven't been emailing them recently. And it's really simple. Just send an email. Like Kate shared, it does not have to be perfect. So take the pressure off of yourself and just write a note as if you were checking up on a teacher friend. Maybe share a product or a blog post, but don't worry as much about that as you do just connecting with those subscribers who haven't heard from you in a while. Keep experimenting and adjusting your email strategy until you find the right fit for your audience. And don't give up if you don't see results right away because it really can take some time to find the perfect formula for success for your people. Be sure to share this episode with a TPT seller friend who needs it and go follow Kate on Instagram for all the tips on email marketing and copywriting. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please share it with another teacher seller who would also find it helpful. For more resources on growing your TPT business, head to kristendoyle.co forward slash TPT. Talk to you soon.